Welcome to The Culture Shift. We want this podcast to empower you as leaders to make impactful change in your workplace. I'm Vicky Bars, and I specialize in transforming organizations through equity, diversity, and inclusion initiatives. In each episode, we'll delve deep into the fascinating world of workplace culture. Join me as I sit down with an array of incredible guests, including members of our very own Culture Shift team and industry experts. Through these thought-provoking conversations, we aim to equip you with the knowledge, tools, and inspiration you need to drive positive change in your workplace. Whether it's breaking down barriers, thinking about how you include a more diverse workforce, or fostering a culture of collaboration and belonging, we've got you covered. So let's dive straight into an episode. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Culture Shift today. I am joined by Iona Alcock, and we're going to be talking about prioritising well-being in startup organisations. We're going to cover talking about burnout, and we're going to talk about bringing your whole self to work. Hi, Iona. Thank you for coming. I'm really excited to have you on today's episode. Can we start with a little bit of an introduction about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I'm co-founder and director of Elevate. We're a cross-sector network for purpose-driven organisations, launched uh, fairly naively in the middle of a pandemic, assuming that the world would be back to normal within a few months, uh, which has obviously taken um, a few years. Uh, Really passionate about bringing different people together, looking at ways that they can collaborate, raising the voices of underrepresented groups and basically just elevating the North. Brilliant, thank you. So um, we're going to talk a bit about sort of why employee well-being is really important, um, and especially in the setting of being in startups. We talk a lot on this podcast about workplace culture in big organisations, but I think it's really important to also talk about that from a small organisation perspective. So, um, yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I think it's really interesting, and I'm in quite um, an unusual position of having worked at both ends of the scale. So part of my career um, was at the world's largest law firm, so I was in um, a massive corporate um, through to smaller organisations. I've worked within higher education and then obviously over the last few years within Elevate. Um, and I think there's, there's different challenges for both, and I think sometimes the assumption that is in a smaller organisation, that's easier because you don't have the levels of bureaucracy, you don't have as many people involved but I think particularly when we start talking about things like burnout we start looking at the pressures that are on people in a small team that's really really intense Um, and also when there are any issues with particular personalities or even you know it's just somebody having a bad day and that's going to have much more of an impact in a really small team than it does if you're thousands of people absolutely and yeah building up that level of, of trust and environment where people feel safe to explore how they're feeling to talk about what's happening outside of work that might be affecting things inside of work it is something that that we aim to do constantly because as soon as that isn't there in a small team it's it's really really hard to be able to get that back yeah and I wonder as well like the um kind of phrase I've heard our CEO use when we first started up as a company is the sort of idea of being really bootstrapped and everyone having to really like muck in and it's sort of like really round the clock and it's I guess if you've put all that like time and energy into setting up a business like you're so invested in it not failing right whereas like when you're in a bigger organization it's just like especially if it's a private um big private company or a big like public sector institution it's like just kind of a given it's going to stay like it's just going to be a sustainable object and like you haven't got any of that pressure or any of that worry 
Yeah, it's it's a real change and having gone from being employed to self-employed, back to employed and then kind of back to self-employed, and there's definitely different pressures on both, but that certainty of just knowing that like, you're going to get paid at the end of the month regardless and then suddenly that's not there, it's a huge, huge change. Um, something that my business partner Katie and I were really conscious of when we started Elevate is that we would never buy into that hustle hard culture. Like, we don't want to build an organisation that we don't want to work for. So mm. right from the beginning, it was a we need to build this in a way that is sustainable. We can get more money a lot more easily by going to work for somebody else. So if we're going to do it the hard way, it has to actually be something that that works really well for us. Um, there's times when we have to remind ourselves of that, and there is mm. you know the temptation that you just kind of you keep working and keep putting the hours in and you know put that pressure on ourselves and, and we do just have to keep coming back to being like it's it's just work it's just a business it's just how we make money it isn't you know life or death you know we're not working in, in a and e um those decisions are never actually as important as, as sometimes they feel, they the feel time, when you're yeah. in the middle of it yeah and so um I guess let's talk about the like why of your business like why we want to talk about like purpose-driven businesses like why did you want to set up Elevate in the first place so it came about just off of the back of a whatsapp conversation and Katie and I had just found out that we were being made redundant we we're in the middle of a pandemic our background was in events and VD so we just like that world just doesn't exist for the moment mm. uh, so I had a conversation and, and Katie just kind of said yeah is there something that we could do together here we loved working together and I think there was that feeling that there was a gap between kind of the young professionals market that's so well serviced you know particularly in Manchester it's got its incredible incredible networks and then you're kind of older networks the kind of this is just how we've always done things quite formulaic you know work really well absolutely serve their purpose but we never felt like there were things that we were excited about so like well if we kind of feel that there's something here that could be a bit different that does feel more inclusive you know I've been to so many events where I've been the only woman in the room which is ridiculous when you think Mm. of like where we are now or I've been the youngest person there or you just kind of feel like it's not quite aimed at you um, so that was kind of the starting point and then obviously because it was in a pandemic it was just kind of going back out to our network and being like what does BD even look like when we can't leave the house what do you need how can we add value um, and then that's just kind of stayed with us all the way through that there's never been this kind of set plan of, of what Elevate's going to look like how that's going to be it's just been constantly going back to our networks being like what can we do how can we add value and then how can we make sure that that everyone's voices are heard you know we don't just want to hear from the same people every single time yeah and tell us a bit more about like um what the day-to-day looks like in in that (laughs) wild (laughs) (laughs) so there isn't kind of any normal um day-to-day um so it could be uh running our own events so we do a couple of flagship events we do the northern sustainability summit um hosted by manchester central we do our northern game changers awards that recognize good business champions we do dinner clubs we do seminars we do lunches uh there's then training on to the business so we train on public speaking personal branding carbon literacy and just want a tender to be able to deliver leadership training to female founded businesses then we run client events um, and that can be anything from kind of chairing events for the british textiles manufacturing association to stakeholder events for electricity northwest so it is hugely hugely varied it's lots of different sectors lots of different events but 
that's kind of what keeps it exciting. Like we like that no two weeks look the same. Yeah. And how do you, like, I think I'm really interested in the idea of like, when you're building a purpose-driven organization, like how do you make decisions about, well, we'll work with them, but we won't work with them. Like, I think that's a really challenging um, position to be in, right? Like, especially if you're like, well, we need the business. It is. And it was, like you say, at the beginning, that was definitely more difficult because you kind of have that, we do just need to get paid, otherwise there isn't a business. Um, Mm. But I think partly because we knew it had to have that slower start because we were in a pandemic, our costs were really, really low because you couldn't leave the house to spend any money. So it was literally like a phone and a laptop and and we were good to go. So we had very, very low costs in the early days. Um, And then we just had this phenomenal network that was so supportive from day one that it meant we got our kind of dream clients in our our first couple of months, the people Mm. that we were really, really keen to work with. Um, And then that just kind of became a self-fulfilling prophecy that the people who saw what we were doing and what we were about were the ones who approached us to work with them. So there's probably only been three or four organizations over the years that have kind of wanted to work with us and we've kind of said like that's that's just not really for us like it just doesn't fit with what we're doing we're not going to be able to offer what you want and so it's probably not right Uh, where otherwise I think because that's we've got this reputation for wanting to champion good business that it's then attracted the people who are really excited by that the people who want something that is more than just I'm joining a network to do business and make more money it's like yeah absolutely we want you to do that but we also want you to care about diversity and sustainability and and just be open and inclusive and welcoming to everyone that's in the room and it makes our events a really pleasant place to be Um, and we're now at a point where I think if we worked with people that we knew didn't fit those values that really went against what we're trying to build there is no price tag we could put on that that would be worth the damage it would do to our reputation and our business and if we don't have our reputation like the business doesn't exist like that's Mm. what what it's all founded on yeah and I guess like talking about principles that it's founded on like really um love the point you made around not wanting to have that hustle hard culture at the beginning and I do think that like there's something unique about setting up a business during a global pandemic where people are scared about the future there are people losing loved ones there are people like like it's it gives you like a bit of um perspective about work it's just work at the end of the day and it's not the be all and end all and we have to live our lives outside of that and I think if you can bring some of that reality into the workplace and say "Mm, actually you know we are here to do this thing to like you say just get paid and it's put a roof over your head and like you don't you don't want to be doing it just because you actually want it to have some meaning and purpose we spend so many hours of our day in work um you know once you take out eating washing commuting it's the majority of our time monday to friday or you know shorter if you're one of those lucky people that's already <laughs> on a four-day working week um but uh yeah i think like you know living and breathing that ethos that i guess like taking it a bit slower and being a bit more intentional about doing something that is meaningful to you is, is yeah, really powerful. Absolutely. And I think we were in a way quite lucky because of when we launched that that idea of presenteeism and like being seen to be busy 
kind of fell away a bit over the pandemic that was suddenly like oh everybody can actually just be adults and work from home and work in the time that they need to around everything that's going on in their lives and you're suddenly having zoom calls with people and there's pets in the background and there's children in the background rather than sitting like a very kind of sterile white office and pretending that like the rest of your life doesn't exist so that just meant we could really kind of lean into that and actually being like you know we're going to be business development absolutely going to be commercially focused that's what we want to do but doing it in a really authentic way like you don't have to leave your life at the door to then come in and go to work there's going to be that blending of what we're doing Um, and it's meant that the way that we set up events the way we set up the programs work for people who don't want to be working every hour of the day you know they don't have to be able to make an eight o'clock breakfast briefing to be able to come and do something you don't have to be able to do something late at night um to be able to take advantage of those opportunities so yeah whilst it was it was challenging and it was scary I think it probably gave us a much cleaner slate to work from than we would have done if we'd attempted to launch it a couple of years before and do you find that like having strong principles around well-being and around being like purpose-driven and, and, and trying to avoid burnout like trickles into the organizations that you work with do you find that that sort of um you have that impact on them absolutely and I think some of it is like that's sometimes like it's the reason that people come to us is they say we know we need to do better we know that we need more diverse speakers or we know that we need to do more on sustainability like how can you help us what can we do um, and sometimes it's not that at all but I think because of the people that we want to work with they're open to being challenged so sometimes you know you'll be planning a big event you know people will be bouncing names around of who we want to invite and speak and at some point you kind of have to put your hand up and like do you realize that everyone we've just named is a straight white guy and it's like lovely brilliant at what they do absolutely want to have them on stage but we do need a bit more diversity here and we need to think about it from the very early stages of planning we can't wait until we're a couple of weeks out and then be like oh we didn't think about this who's got a woman of color who might be able to say something and, and crowbar mm. them in last minute um, and I think everyone's been really receptive to that being like oh no actually you're right we do need to think about that so let's start planning that stuff in really early you know what else can we do to make the event more sustainable um, and having those conversations and then the feedback that they get is also really positive because people notice it they're like mm. oh you know actually you know I went here and it just it had a nicer atmosphere it was really interesting to hear different perspectives that we've not heard from you know seeing speakers that aren't just the same ones that that you see on the circuit all of the time so we're always kind of there being like we want to do this because it's the right thing but also like it just makes good sense it's like you know good business is good business they you just not shouldn't be a a one or the other yeah absolutely yeah so is it uh interesting to you to have been um involved in like big organizations where perhaps there might have been more toxic working cultures where uh, burnout is sort of like celebrated almost like I've certainly seen it where it's like go hard or go home and like you know like whoever's there last wins and then and it's just such a relief to move into organizations where it's like actually you have flexible working it's fine to come in a bit later obviously we expect you to do your hours but like also if you have a doctor's appointment you need to leave early like that's fine because you know we know you do the work and just having those that culture like is it like nice for you to see organizations prioritizing that and getting to be in that space a bit more yeah absolutely it's it's so refreshing to see and I think there's again sometimes there's an assumption that that the worst cultures are in large organizations and and that that's where it becomes really toxic and and for burnout and I've seen you know larger organizations where where that just isn't the case and and they're really great at you know the well-being and and giving everyone that space and autonomy and I've been in smaller organizations that say like they do kind of celebrate that burnout and I think particularly if you're in 
something that is fear-earning driven or sales driven, then that burnout is kind of celebrated. It's like, we want you to to work yourself into the ground and the kind of the models of the business so that you'll recruit people in, they'll burn themselves out, they'll leave and you get the next lot of people in and only very few people kind of make it up within the organisation. And I've definitely given the advice to people before that if you're you're stuck in those those toxic workplaces and you do feel like you're just you know a small cog in the wheel you can't really impact the change nobody is listening to you when you're raising concerns then if you can then just leave because it's it's not worth damaging your mental health trying mm. to fight um so you know I've left organizations before because I've known it's it's the right thing to do for me so absolutely then to come into Elevate and be given that opportunity to be like, what what does good look like? What's that balance? And and you spoke about like needing to do your hours. Like we don't even have that at Elevate. Like we don't have set hours. We have unlimited holiday. You know, there's not a question of, you know, coming in early, staying late. You know, there's, we work what we need to work to be most productive and being most productive is not working the longest hours it's actually you know have you had some sleep are you rested um, my business partner has kids and so obviously sometimes she needs to work around school pickups or drop-offs or half term yeah. or somebody being ill and it's just having that flexibility to be like we can manage and we can do everything um, definitely keeping an eye on making sure that we aren't working longer hours than we should be and that we are getting that rest and, and time back um, but to then see other organisations start to restructure as well. Like, I do think we're in this fantastic opportunity cross-sector to kind of rebalance things a little bit. You know, the way we work hasn't really changed what, since the Victorian times. Mm. If, you know, set shifts and you come in and you do this time and you have to be present and that's it and how it works. And that real balance of, you know, the employer holds all of the power and as an employee, you're kind of grateful to be allowed to work. Like that's been turned on its head, you know, in certain sectors, it's like completely the opposite. It's like actually having to fight to get the best employees and yes salary is important but it's not the be all and end all it's no. you know that autonomy and respect you know that purpose-driven element is becoming more and more important to people when they're choosing who to work for and yeah. I do think that's so exciting to see those great companies flourishing. We when we have new starters at Culture Shift we do something called Meet the Team and I always ask people like oh you know where were you working previously and like what made you come to Culture Shift and literally the answer every time is I just wanted to work for somewhere that actually like was doing something good and had good values and be in a workplace where like I feel like I'm contributing to making a difference and and yeah like it's not necessarily because like they're like I want to work hard and want to do like I just like I need a job and I want to get paid loads of money like you know if people want to get paid loads of money they're probably not coming to work for a, a, a scale up who are like not competing with like big private sector sort of salaries because like we can't right like we're not in a position to do that like it's really nice when people come and be like I just believe in the thing you're doing and I want to be a part of that um, and that to me has such a massive impact on people's well-being and another thing you said there around rest we do not talk about it enough but like feeling rested like is such an important part of being like able to actually work well and um you know we don't really think about the like physical tax on thinking on our bodies enough it's true that like it, it's exhausting to be using your brain just as as much as to be using your physicality and like say like work has changed quite a lot that we're not in this like factory environment anymore and we might not be doing the physical labor that we did because most of us are sitting having conversations or thinking or reading or writing like that's the way in which a lot of our work exists now but that is still like 
it still takes a lot of energy to do that. It does, and it's not how your brain's trained to work either. Like, mm. we're designed to be active, mobile people. Like, sitting at your desk and staring at a laptop is not where your best ideas are going to come from. And, you know, we spoke to people like, for such a long time, didn't we? And it was like, oh, I get my best ideas when I go for a run. I get my best ideas in the gym. I get my best ideas, you know, in, in the shower or wherever. And at no point were we ever like, well, maybe we need to make more time for those things rather than being like, well, you have your good ideas on your own time, but I still need you to sit and stare at a laptop laptop for eight hours a day yeah. and see what you can do and that's been like really again powerful for us is having that flexibility of where we work as well that can be like you know sometimes we're in co-working spaces sometimes we're at home and kind of head down and working but also if you need to just like go out for a walk in the middle of the day and maybe listen to a podcast or it, whatever it is that's just freeing up some of that brain space because it's not just you say you know it's not that you're necessarily physically exhausted by the time we get to Friday but it's like my brain is done I've done my thinking. It needs to have a little time yeah. to switch off and reset. Otherwise, I'm, I'm useless to the next person that comes along. I'm not going to have a creative idea. I'm not going to be, you know, bringing my A game to whatever it is that I'm doing. I'm just going to be limping through again to get to the next weekend. Yeah. Uh, for me, there's like two really interesting places I like to work. One of them is on trains. I actually find that a very focused space for me. I think it's something about the background noise, like having like... I'm already doing another thing so I feel like I'm like double winning so I'm traveling and I'm working and I love that like kind of multitasking but I'm not you know having to actually do that much work I'm just sitting on a train I wrote my entire undergraduate dissertation on trains because <laughs> I wasn't living in the city that I was studying in in my final year that I was doing the dissertation so I was commuting once a week and that was that was my study day and so that was the time I had to do it and it, it was such a better way to study for me than trying to drip feed this work through the the week and for, like for me I like a really long day of like nine till nine just focusing on that and then not thinking about it again was so much better and the other one I really love is I listen into a lot of conferences and um like just trying to sit at the computer and listening to them it it's really hard not to feel like distracted by something else and so I often like combine that with a day when I've got like washing to fold or washing up to do and I like I will do an active task whilst I'm listening into the conference and I'm so much more engaged so much more of it like sits in and like actually penetrates my mind I can literally do like podcast audiobooks I can do them if I'm walking or I'm running like it's a running joke like if I listen to anything else at home I'll just fall asleep like we listen to audiobooks at bedtime and that's it like I can't concentrate if all I'm trying to do is listen where if I'm going out for a run I'm walking out you say like because you're doing something else there's that bit of focus on it I can then focus on what I'm listening to but you know I will work in noisy environments really well I'll have the tv on at home while I'm working and my husband's like I do not understand how you can get anything done but like I just need that bit of background noise because it works really well yeah um where you know one of my colleagues Jess like she needs the quiet to be able to work and again it's having that flexibility of when do we need to come together and be in the environments where we can collaborate and chat and bounce ideas off each other and when are the times where we just need to you know shut the door and be on our own and, and do that um, and I do think the world just lends itself much more to that level of flexibility now yeah and it's such a shame that some workplaces have just never thought outside of the like well if you're not sat at your desk you're not working um and you know there are other workplaces where they just it's not desk space at all but like as if you would ever accuse doctors of not having done their day job they're on their feet walking around doing their tasks all the time and actually it's like more creative and inventive i think to have those yeah like value those different workspaces um it's it's another really interesting one is a language i hear sometimes around um i didn't get any work done today when someone's been in back-to-back meetings all day and I'm like 
well, why have you done the meetings then if you didn't find them work? <laughs> like, not that, that you didn't have, I don't mean you didn't find them work in the they're taxing, but as in, like, what was the purpose of those meetings if they weren't about work? Yeah. Like, and they were about work. It's just that this, actually, we put um, writing documents and sending emails up on a pedestal compared to having creative conversations or, like, dealing with difficult challenges that you might be trying to resolve or having a committee meeting where, you know, the whole point of a committee meeting is to come to consensus. It's not to, like do much else really actually most of the decisions are made outside the meeting you kind of formalizing decisions and and like agreeing things but like that is work that is fundamentally work and I just I often say to people if I'm like oh I'm having a desk work day rather than like oh I just didn't get anything done like or like I'm just I need a day where I can move those tasks along on my computer um but it doesn't mean that those days where I'm sat in a podcast studio all afternoon aren't work like this is very much still the same quality we have a a really similar conversation the days that we go into our co-working spaces um and we'll come back and be like I didn't get any work done today it's like well you didn't get any work done because you bumped into like five people that we had really interesting impromptu meetings with they built our network it's sometimes you know membership inquiries will come from so there's such a positive thing like they're a core part of the business because you had a to-do list at the beginning and then you go home and your to-do list slightly longer you're like oh I didn't get anything done today it's like no we did it just wasn't what was planned it's those kind of days And, and again it's having that balance but also I think one of the issues is it's more difficult to manage if you're output focused. And I think so much of the world's been input focused. That it's like, I can tell you're doing your job because you sat here for eight hours. It doesn't matter what you did in that time. It's like tick to box done. And again, it comes back to that whole, you know, literally clocking in an hour on a machine. Have you done your hours or not? And I think as soon as we then start looking at being like output focused, as being like, right, well, what do you actually need to achieve this week or this month? You know, how many sales do you need to make? How many conversations do we need to have? What documents need to be created? Then it becomes much easier to give people the flexibility and the autonomy to do that. It's been like, you know, ask for help when you need it, work on it when you need to. You know, if we need to involve other people, obviously we need to, to arrange the times to do that. But otherwise, you can just kind of crack on and, and do it when it suits yeah. rather than be like, you have to do it in these set times. And if other things come up, then it hasn't been real work. Because as you say, like, it obviously has been. <laughs> You're not yeah. doing it for any other reason than because it's work. And companies that have moved to um, a four-day working week on the same pay have found that outputs have not reduced, right? Like, there's, like, quite a lot of research now to show that, like, it's a false economy to say you just have to be working five days a week. Um, and it's been quite powerful to watch. It's that burnout, isn't it? If you're suddenly, like, actually, if everyone has a three-day weekend, you're just coming back in. And if you think how many times, like, if you booked a Friday off... Did you actually change your workload? Were you ever actually sitting to somebody and being like, I shall do 20% less work this week because I booked Friday? If you're like, no, I'm just going to be busier this week because I'm not here on Friday. And like, we arrange that anyway. And one of the things Elevate's trying at the moment is kind of an an unofficial four-day week. So we have what we call sneaky Fridays. Um, So externally, we tell people that we don't work on a Friday. And it gives us all a bit of a catch-up day. So we don't put events on on a Friday. We very rarely put an external meeting in on a Friday. But it means that we do have that catch-up time. So if we have had a week where we've been really busy with events and training lots of other stuff coming up we've just built a bit of time into the week to have a bit of a catch-up so that before we go back into Monday we've caught up with ourselves a little bit and that should never be a full day on a Friday so it does give us just that extra bit of downtime and extra bit so we've really found that by having that it gives us a bit of breathing space in the week opportunity to catch up with anything that didn't manage um, to happen earlier in the week um, and then really just that rest time like we would never expect any of the team to be doing a full day on a Friday now so we can go into the weekend not burn out and come back Monday morning actually properly refreshed and, and ready to start again 
Yeah, we have something similar. We have like a like no meetings Friday. So um, I mean, some meetings sneak in, but it means that like, we never book events on Friday. We don't expect people to be in the office. We don't expect like external meetings and, and training and things like that to happen on a Friday. And it, yeah, I mean, some people really value that and do come into the office because it's like really quiet and that's the time they want to spend here. Um, but there's like that lowered expectation. It means also that um, when our work social events happen on a Thursday, <laughs> um, Friday's a bit of a lighter day for it as well. Um, and so yeah it's right like you don't necessarily expect people to like be squeezing those long days and I do think it helps people to have a bit more of a rested weekend there's definitely more of a an acceptance that you don't get that speed of response that we were just so used to getting like if you email somebody they'd get back to you the same day like the amount of times if I send emails on a Friday getting out of office because people are now on a four-day week either because the whole company is or because they've dropped down to to part-time or condensed hours or just that you know people are booking that time out or having a bit of a weekend so you know we send things out I don't expect anyone to get back to me to the Monday and that kind of then gave us a bit more of a confidence to be like actually we don't have to get back to everybody same day within a few hours like they're not waiting for me to respond I feel like it's really urgent because they've asked me to do something like if they get that on Monday rather than Friday they're going to do something with it exactly the same time nothing is going to happen in between those times Mm. Um, and that's kind of really helped us just giving ourselves a little bit more space and you know we accept that later other people are on four-day weeks and they're not getting back to us as quickly and actually they'll be the same with us yeah and internally within your organization as well I think it's usually quite important to remember that you might have people on part-time working patterns those people aren't going to be getting back to you within the sort of you know eight hour working day that you might have and so just being realistic that like there are certain types of communication where you can expect a more immediate response and there are certain types of communication that are slower and I think there's a really interesting trend around emails like it's definitely like the turnaround now on emails is as much slower time than it was for like pre-pandemic for me Um, and the the organization I was in at the time had this really big push to try and stop email communication and like get people to pick up the phone or go round round into physically into someone's office and obviously I think the rise in um, I don't think it was necessarily the pandemic that caused this but that was happening around a similar time the rise in instant messaging um, software whatever you might use in your company like that definitely made for like this is the more urgent communication and like if it's something that's like oh I need you to read this big document you kind of put that somewhere else yeah absolutely but those little things where I'm just going to this I'm doing this this is what I'm doing like they just don't need to be emails you know voice noting when we're like running between stations and events and and all the rest of it just like a really easy way of, of giving each other those updates before we have the time to sit down together which means then the email traffic between us is actually really really small and as I say it does tend to be like I need you to look at this document or I'm forwarding you on something from a client. It's something that I actually need you to sit down and do something with. Um, but we keep that kind of regular content you know, in the WhatsApp chat. It's a mix there of social stuff, chatty stuff, anything that needs to happen and really, really limited um, email conversations because otherwise they just get lost. As soon as your inbox is hundreds of emails, it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to get through it. I'm not going to see it at all. So who yeah. knows when you're going to get anything back? Exactly. I love that voice memos have become a bit of um, a more popular way of communicating within organisations. Like, and again, it's this idea of like, like not feeling like it's not appropriate for work because it totally is. And I think some some having that this conversation on a previous episode with Avita, where we were talking about how in, t- in internal communications, 
um, actually doing a little voice note or a, or a video that like articulates something is like so much more um, powerful than than like a you know dear colleagues tomorrow we're going to be blah 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 like it just and there's just no tone better. is there in yeah. an email and it's like the speed that I can literally like walking down the street do a little WhatsApp voice note compared to if I had to wait until I was actually like on my train and could sit down and type it out and you put the fluff in at the start and the end it's like it's a waste of my time and it'll take somebody longer to read it than just to quickly listen to that voice note but yeah when we are yeah we're excited about things or you know you're worried about somebody on the team like it's actually quite I'd like to email somebody and be like I'm not sure you're okay like you seemed a little bit down it's like does that feel like really overly formal compared to just being whatsapping someone and being like are you okay like you sound a bit down what's going on um, and it's l- that level of informality can really help sometimes just be a bit more open about how people are feeling because you don't get any of that tone on an email you can't yeah. hide behind it in a in a real meeting or in your voice you can see how people actually feel about things ultimately I really love like how some of the things we're talking about blend like how we interact with people in our real lives and and how we interact with people in our work lives i'm not even sure i mean real lives actually because perhaps um they are you know our work life is our real life it's all just life isn't it but we've been so trained to to split those things out and it's like well that's just ridiculous it's like i'm not two different people i've got all the same stuff going on but it is that how do we blend them and it's you know Obviously, there's going to be a more personal side of you that, you know, your friends and family might see as opposed to your colleagues. But I think we just quite naturally filter that stuff anyway without having, like, these two completely different sides to ourselves. Yeah, and there is this whole kind of thing around um, bringing your whole self to work and belonging. And I think, you know, people's well-being is, like, very negatively impacted by not being able to bring their whole selves to work. And um, actually, you know, there's, I saw some research this morning from um, CIPD around actually a lot of Gen Z are code switching and are not bringing themselves to fully to work, which I found a bit surprising because I was like, you know, the hope in future generations being able to feel like themselves and bring themselves, but actually, you know, these institutions that we exist in have a certain um, like method of, of existing in them. And if you'd, don't come in and meet those existed ways of working you're going to feel ostracized you're going to feel not good enough you have to like learn the language of that workplace to be able to navigate it and actually I think like companies have a responsibility to meet people where their lives are at as much as people coming into the organizations meeting the company where it's at I think the really sad irony of that is those companies are missing out so mm. much it's like you know everyone says like we want to be innovative and we want to be disruptive but but only like this and so we yes. need to have those different voices and those different ways of doing things. That's where innovation is going to happen. You know, if you just employ people who look and sound like you, you're going to get what you've always had. So you can't kind of have those those two things together. Mm. Um, one of the things that I talk about a lot is Aikigai, which is a, a Japanese concept. And it's that, that overlap of, of what you're good at and what you can be paid for, but also with the things that you love doing and the things that have a, a wider purpose. And um, I did a talk for an organisation a while ago, literally on that kind of like bringing your whole self to work. And it's like those bits and how they overlap. And there's so much focus, particularly in our society, on that overlap of what you're good at and what you can get paid for. Like we're very profession focused that, that I can ask people, you know, like, well, what do you do that kind of adds value to the world? And I like, absolutely nothing. I'm like, well, that's clearly not true. You just don't know how to articulate what that is. And then even worse, if I say to people, well, what do you love doing? 
I, I don't know. I no longer know like what I do yeah. that makes me happy. I, I don't know what those things are because we're not trained to think about them in the same way. Uh, so trying to bring in a bit more of that overlap, but then like the company's getting the best version as well. If you get people who are happy and productive and passionate about what they're doing, your company's going to be 10 times better than if you've just got people who are coming in being really miserable and burning themselves out. Exactly. Um, thank you so much, Diana. It's been really interesting. I think it's been really refreshing for me to talk about prioritising well-being in a, in a startup context and in smaller organisations. Um, and absolutely, this point around like avoiding burnout and thinking about how people bring their whole selves to work and how that benefits employee well-being is yeah been fantastic. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you for tuning into this episode of The Culture Shift. We hope you found it insightful and informative. We really appreciate your support and value your feedback. So if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, share your thoughts, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button to stay updated on when we release new episodes. If you're interested in our other content or how Culture Shift can help your organization, check out our YouTube channel, website, or drop us a message, and I'll see you next time.